Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and we just saying how much we need you. We need you, O oh Lord God. We need you this morning in every way. We come as those who are insufficient. Our efforts are not enough. It is only Christ. And so we come to you this morning in need of you in every way. And so may we look to you. May you be our hope and may we this morning have our eyes fixed on Christ. May we not look away from Christ. May we not come to the beginning of our faith and say, well, there, I'm fine now, I'll move on to something else. But may it always be Christ. Help us, Lord. Work in your church. Work in each of our hearts this morning. Whether there are those who are tuning online or there are those here that you would do a work in us. Lord, you know how deeply in need of revival, of awakening, of renewal we are in need of. And so we come to you with you as our need, and we pray that you would do a work in our day. Glorify your name this morning. May we indeed take all of our weights, all of our cares, all of our anxieties, all of our burdens, all of our struggles, all of ourselves, and just put them before you this morning. We can't do it on our own, and so we come by faith. We stand by faith this morning in need of you, the living God. It is not in our jobs or education or life, marriage, spouse, children, none of these things. It is you and you alone. And so may you work in us this morning through your word. May you help us to hear your word and receive it. And so revive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the letter of Galatians. We'll be in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 this morning as we continue our study through this book. And so over these last weeks, we have seen a soldier of Christ, Paul, on the battlefield, standing again and again for the one true gospel. We have seen his urgency. We have seen even perhaps some blood being spilt for the sake of the gospel. We have seen him love God with all of his mind and setting forth the truths of the gospel with all of who he is. And so beginning with chapter 2, verses 11 through 21... He lifted high the immovable doctrine of justification by faith. And from there, he has been digging deep and he's calling us in to join him. Even as we saw last week, calling us, each of us, to love God with all of our mind. And in loving God with all of our mind, all that will then affect all of who we are. As we live a life by faith in Christ. 
And so in doing that, he's calling us to join him to see in chapters 3, 1 through 5, that believers are to live in Christ by the Spirit and not by works of the law. The Spirit was received by faith and not by works. And then in chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, he makes clear that justification has always been by faith. And there he directed us to the man of faith, Abraham. And so any who have put their faith in Christ, it is they who are sons of Abraham. And so now here, we turn to a great boulder. You heard me right, a boulder under which many have sought to lift up and to hold up with all that they are and all that they can, but a boulder under which many have been crushed. They have lifted and they have lifted, saying to themselves, if only I try harder, if I only keep going, if I only keep pressing on, duty, works, effort, I will lift up this boulder and keep it up. However, no one can lift it long before it will certainly crush them to death. So what is this? What is this boulder? It's the boulder of the works of the law. And so to this, Paul, he now turns and he faces down this weight that not one of us can carry. And so to see this, let's read here, beginning with verse 10. May the glory of the Redeemer fill our eyes and hearts this morning at the reading of God's inerrant word. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. That is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Amen. So here with these verses, we see the persistent way that the works of the law, they are a challenge. In fact, we have been seeing this, I would even say since the beginning of the letter of Galatians, we have been seeing this and we're going to continue seeing this as well, that the law, works of the law, they are a challenge 
on multiple fronts. The challenging thing about works of the law is when you see it, it usually looks rather appealing to those who find it. So the Pharisees, you might have heard of them before. (laughs) The Pharisees, they saw the appeal of the works of the law. And what did they do? They took the 613 laws of the law and they added their old traditions, the Mishnah. And why did they do that? They did it because they were seeking to keep every single part of the law. And so they saw it, and they saw the, and even Paul as well. Paul, he saw the appeal of works of the law also, perhaps even more than others. Paul, he knew the appeal of works. We just listen to his words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And so he certainly knows the appeal of the law, and many today see the appeal of the law also. I would even say right now, throughout our world, that's basically the appeal, not to works of the law proper, but more like, the outskirts of seeking to gain God or gain whatever by what you do. And so there's appeal to works of the law. And and part of the appeal to the works of the law and to our own efforts is our pride. Our own bravado. When it's all on us, we can say, I am the captain of my soul. And so it's appeal, it draws us in. And so what do we do then? We go on and we take a bite. We take one bite and then we go ahead and take another bite and then another. And yet with each one of those bites, it only gets bigger, it only gets harder, and it only demands more. More of you. You're not done. And soon enough, it's a boulder we're trying with all of our might to keep up in the air. And so it starts small, believer. Or if you're here and you don't know Christ, maybe that's exactly what you're living by. Just start it small. Maybe if I just start working at this thing, it'll be mine. But listen, the more effort, the more that we try to do, all that is demanded of us, only the heavier it will become. And so it is that Paul here then writes over all of these. If that's you here this morning. You're holding up the works of the law. This is what he writes of you and of all who rely on works of the law. He says, 
this of them. Cursed. Cursed. Now Paul, he uses several words here that we could easily take for granted. If you've been in the church for a while, you may just be accustomed to these. Be just fine with them. But we need to make sure that we're clear on these, especially mindful that many do not have any idea of what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, works of the law, you know, oh, you're going you're gonna to die and go to hell if you live by works of the law. Well, what's so bad about living by works of the law? If I don't do that, I'll go to jail. <laughs> you, know? Well, you know, if you don't live by them, then you'll be condemned. Well, what does that mean, you know? We need to know what we're talking about here. And so we need to make sure that we're understanding of what he's talking about. And so he says here that you are under a curse if you are relying on the law, verse 10. So what does all this mean? What do these words mean? So works of the law, curse, you've been justified. And so first, by works of the law, Paul, he is referring to the whole shebang, <laughs> the whole law. All 613 of the laws, the commands. And so the Ten Commandments, you've heard of these, no other gods before me. You know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't covet, etc. But more than that, sacrifices as well. Not that either, or that is included here in the works of the law. And, and so that, and then also the festivals, Passover. Feast of booze or tabernacles and so on. What you eat and what you don't eat, all that. The whole thing. He's referring to that with the works of a law. And he's saying those who rely on it, who are trying to keep the boulder of the law in the air, they are under a curse. We need to remember here that Paul, he is writing not only in view of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles, and those would be the non-Jews. So if the Gentile believers, he's, he's writing to and urging here, if they begin aiming to live by the law as the Judaizers are exhorting them to do, Paul is saying they are cursed and they are living under a curse. And so to further show this, Paul, like I said, he's going to require much of us here. He takes us back to the Old Testament. And he quotes from Deuteronomy 27, 26 and verse 10. And he says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now that chapter in Deuteronomy is significant. It's summarizing, even declaring that judgment will come upon Israel if they break God's covenant. Well, what did they do? <laughs> what did they do, right? Did they keep it? My goodness, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. And that's what they do again and again. They break it again and again and again. And so what happened? 
judgment. The curse fell upon Israel. And the boulder dropped. And God's judicial verdict was against them. Now at this point, you may have heard this or you may have said this yourself. You might be saying to yourself, you know, I am not so bad. Aren't you kind of being hard on us here? You know? I mean, I'm not, I've not murdered anybody, <laughs> you know? You know, I haven't done all this crazy stuff. I might not be keeping all of the law, but I'm trying my best. Come on. Give me a little room. Well, to that person, and to that, Paul, he says this unequivocally, you must keep all of it. All of it. Doing one part of it is not okay. It is required that you do everything. 613. How are you doing? <laughs> and let's just say right now that you're like, okay, I'll do this. I'll try it this thing. Let's say that you really have some resolve here. So at an early age even, let's say at age six you resolve, all right, I am going to be the one who keeps the law, every single part of it. I will do that. And so you begin. And along with you, you're already carrying something. And the weight begins with you as well. And so years go by. You're now 20 years old. And yet, still more needs to be done. And the weight only keeps growing. Age 40. Again, there you are. And still more must be done. Don't waver. Don't stop. Don't let your arms get tired. Oh, no. You hold that boulder up. Have you given up yet? Have you even slipped just once? Age 60. The weight is overwhelming. It's great. It's absolutely insurmountable. Yet, keep going. Age 80, you're not done yet. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't fail. Don't falter even once. Yet, if you would, just look back for even one moment over all those years as you've tried and you've tried and you've tried to keep that boulder in the air, if you would, just for one moment, one honest moment, look back 
you would find declared over your life these words. Lawbreaker. You have not failed at one point, but you have failed at every point. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Charles Spurgeon, he put it this way. If a man does nothing wrong, yet if he fails to do what is right, he is guilty. Omission is as truly a defect as commission. He misses the mark who shoots beyond it or falls short of it. If thou makest a single omission of duty... On the footing of the law, thou art a lost man. If thou hast omitted at any time to love the Lord thy God with all force and intensity of thy nature, if thou hast omitted in any one degree to love thy neighbor as thyself, thou hast committed a breach of the law. Not to obey is to disobey. And so we are to see it plainly here. It is being heralded. It is being declared. And you are being warned this morning that you are not your hope. You are not your hope. And so Paul, he says here, no one is justified before, justified before God by the law. And so in contrast to faith, your hope is not to be in you, in you doing enough, in your bravado, in you saying, I am the captain of my soul. I can do this thing. I don't need anyone else. I don't need the church. I don't need you. I can do it. That is wonder. How many of us are functioning that way? Friends, if you are living as a believer and you're saying, I can do all this on my own, you're in that stream because you can't do it on your own. There is no such thing as a kind of private, I'll do it myself kind of Christianity. It does not exist. We need each other. And so we do not, and we're not called to live this life of faith in isolation. We are not the captains of our souls. We don't take heed to the words of the poem of Invictus. And this is why Paul, he quotes from Leviticus 18, 5 and verse 12 to say, that the law is all about doing. It's all about holding that boulder up. It's not of faith. What the law is doing for you, it's saying, all right, get to work. And when you turn back to it, it's going to tell you again, get to work. Keep going. And so Paul is telling each of us, that you are not the object of your salvation. 
You are not the object of your salvation. And this is why if you are looking for some future time when humanity will finally get their act together, like if you're thinking that you know, our government and justice system in America or any government or any system will be your hope, if you think there's going to be some future utopia, you need to see right now that day will not come. Not from the world. The answer is not found here. It is not found in you. You are not your hope. God is our only hope. Period. A search for God outside of God is hopeless. That is why we cannot be going and looking to our world to supply what it absolutely cannot give. It does not have the answer. Instead, it is this. The righteous shall live by faith. So there in Habakkuk 2.4, Paul, he's quoting from, like I said, he's just taking us back again and again, answering everything the Judaizers are setting before him. He's saying, no, no, no. You do not have an argument here. It has always been by faith. You're trusting in works. You're cursed. And so he takes us to Habakkuk 2.4. Where God, he was calling Habakkuk to trust him and to wait. And the people of Israel, they were experiencing God's judgment. And yet even so, God, he calls him and all who would trust him. And he calls all of us to live by faith. And he's saying this. He's saying God's word will not fail. God will do it. God will do it. And he has. And so the second thing that he writes over those who look to Christ by faith, and may that be you this morning, it is this. Not the words cursed, but the word redeemed. Redeemed. This is the wonderful, glorious, life-altering, world-changing news. Christ became a curse for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, he says there in verse 13. And so Paul, he is weaving a host of images here together. And so first, he quotes there in verse 13 from Deuteronomy 21, 23. He won't stop taking us to the Old Testament. So what's going on there? Well, God, he is providing measures for those who have committed a crime punishable by death. And so what was to be done following the death of those who have committed these heinous crimes? Well, the dead bodies will be hung on a tree. That everyone who sees them, they would see those dead bodies hung on a tree 
and it will be a notice to everyone and anyone of God's judicial verdict over them that they are cursed, they are judged, they are condemned. Well, Christ did that for you. Over Christ was written something absolutely shocking. The word cursed. He took the curse of our sin upon himself. And we would be right to ask in view of such a thing, why? What has he done that such a thing would be written over the Lord of the universe? He never sinned. He never did a single wrong. He did not deserve it. It was not required of him to do this. So why? He did it. As it says here, for us. For us. He came and he bore the full, unimaginable weight of God's curse upon himself for you and for me and for sinners. Praise the Lord. As Mike read a moment ago from 2 Corinthians 5.21, our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He redeemed. He bought us, delivered us as our Passover lamb. He received in full upon himself God's wrath in your place. And so now, by faith, in and through Christ, in Christ alone, Christ blesses us. Christ blesses us. And so if you're here and you're saying, well, it, it was in my hands. This is something I could do. This is not something that you could do. You are not your hope. You are not the object of your salvation. You don't do this. He does it. Amen. He blesses you. And so the result of His having been the curse for us then means this first, the blessing of Abraham or justification comes to you. And it comes to anyone who puts their faith in Christ. But what does that mean? It means the full weight of the curse of God's judicial judgment. It fell upon Christ. That means over you, there is no curse. Written over you, no curse. Over you, God, He declares that you are not cursed, but justified, righteous, and His forever. And no one can snatch you out of His hand. First blessing. 
And the second, you receive the promised spirit through faith in Christ. And so from every point, instead of hoping in ourselves, instead of you hoping in yourself, you admit this, hope is not found in me. And I pray that we would say this ourselves. My goodness, as believers in Christ, we have a million reasons to be humble. Oh Lord, as the song goes, make us humble. And so we say, and may you say, hope is not found in me. Hope is not found in my two hands. It is not found in my bravado. I am not the captain of my soul. There is no hope found there. But it is only Christ. Christ is our hope. So through faith in Christ, in Him alone, we have been bought We have been delivered. We have been redeemed. And so we glory in the words of Ezekiel fulfilled where God said, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. I will move. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so we, as Christ's church, must place and must lift high Christ. We must herald him. We must unashamedly in our day whether here was still with somewhat safety in America, we must live by faith in Christ. For there in Christ, we have all we need. And He is all we need, such that through faith in Him, a life lived by faith in Christ, fruit then abounds to the glory of God. So there's no point you're going to say to yourself, pull on my bootstraps and get to work. You'll say, by faith I live, by faith I stand, by faith I will go to live with him forever. And so this very morning, fix your eyes firmly on Christ. Fix your eyes right now, not on me. On Christ. He is to be the object of your faith. Of my faith. It's not you. It's not your adding of more burdens. You don't need to do more. You don't need to hold up that boulder any longer. It is not in the strength of your arms and in your ability. But it is Christ It is Christ. It's Christ. And so give all you are to Him this morning. Rest in Him this morning. And you 
right now, I would say all of us here need to do that. Just rest in him. He has done it all. So breathe (sighs) the fresh air of Jesus Christ and live in hope in the one that you can only find hope in. And so it's my prayer that as you have heard all these things this morning, you would not leave here without Christ. May he be yours today. Cease looking to yourself. Cease looking to your own resources. And look to the one who came to be the curse for you, who came to save you, who came to call you his child forever. And it may be that you are here and you believe all these things. But right now, you came to church, but you're just undone. You're overwhelmed. You feel rejected. You feel overwhelmed by life. You feel overwhelmed by loss, by your sins, by your many failures. Well, friends, know in Christ this morning, you have victory. You have forgiveness. The victory is not in a big house. It is not in a promise of no more suffering in this life. But before God in Christ, his word over you is redeemed, forgiven, righteous, mine. So whatever the devil may be telling you this morning, do not be fooled. Over you is still written. Righteous, justified, forgiven. You belong to God. Amen. So know that. And rest in your Savior this morning. You are His, not condemned. Though our sins are great, our Redeemer is greater. And so may we then fix your eyes on Him. Rejoice. And as we go out from here this morning, we go and celebrate this week Thanksgiving as you eat with your family and your friends, abound in thanks for our great curse-bearing, sinner-redeeming Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, right now we come before you and I know that so many times the appeal of work seems so strong. The appeal that we just need to do more. Then you'll accept us. Help us, Lord, this morning to rest in the Redeemer, Christ. For those here who may indeed feel condemned, they do feel like a failure, perhaps as a, a parent, or maybe as an employee or as a, in their job or 
at home or as a spouse. Maybe even as a child here right now, you feel inadequate. Feel like you're not good enough. We pray that this morning, Lord, that they would hear and each one of us here would hear your voice and hear the truth that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we would just come and come to our Savior. If we have sinned, may we repent and turn from those things and we know that all the while we are still in you. All the while you're calling us back to you and all the while we're yours and you say to us, I have forgiven you and you are forgiven. And so help us, Lord, if it means that right now we need to repent, may we do that. Or if we've been listening to the devil, may we hold up Christ and say, yeah, I'm a sinner. Even a great one. But Christ is the greater Savior, and he has saved me, and you have nothing over me, devil. And so may we stand upon Christ this morning and live by faith. And that faith may be that you need to come forward and obey the Lord in believer's baptism, or it may mean that you need to become a member here or something else. And so may you help us, Lord, to respond to your word. And if there's anyone here, we pray that it doesn't know you this morning, may you help them to trust Christ, the one who can save them. They can lay aside that boulder right now and be free. And so we pray for this and we pray your hand as we respond. May we take our life, all of it, May it be yours in Jesus' name. Amen.